What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. <laughs> this is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Happy Friday, everybody. It's almost the weekend. It's almost August. It's almost time for position previews as we'll be beginning those late next week. But today's show is all about you. We're answering your questions at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I. If you want to email us, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Also, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're reading some of those Apple Podcast reviews. And if you're watching on YouTube, you know we're going to be reading your YouTube questions uh, as well. Those will be later on in the show. I'm Adam Azer, and I've got Jamie Eisenberg here. Hello, Jamie. DK Metcalf signed a three-year contract extension. Would you rather have the six foot four, two hundred and thirty five pound chisel DK Metcalf, or the five foot eleven, one hundred and seventy three pound noodle Darnell Moody? Darnell Moody, but he's a noodle compared to DK Metcalf. That's fine. That noodle will get more targets and might have a better quarterback. Should have a better quarterback. Hello, Dave Richard. Dave is here as well. Dave Rick Flair addressed the Titans in camp. Which pro wrestler would you like to have you, uh, you know, in, give you an inspirational speech, I guess, is the best question there. Who do you want to fire you up? I would like to hear from George the Animal Steel, because that sounds like a short speech, and I can get on with it. <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> uh, Kamala the Ugandan headhunter. What about Jake the Snake? Your boy's with him. I've already had the speech from Jake. All right. All right. So Didn't work. Let me ask you guys. We're going to do today on today's show, we're going to do some... Uh, Fill in the blank. This year's Cooper Cup is blank. This year's Leonard Fournette is blank. That kind of stuff. But before we get to that, what was the most interesting news item that you saw yesterday as it relates to fantasy? Jamie, what comes to mind? Most interesting news item? Yesterday. Um, hmm. Yesterday. It seems like it's all bleeding together. What sure. Recently. It is. Recently. It is. recently. But I've got, I've got two. Okay, go ahead, Dave. You, start. you want me to go with? Yeah. Uh, one, uh, kind of buried inside a story about how fast and elusive Tyree Kill and Jaden Waddle have looked in Dolphins camp is how they're they're being used and lots of misdirection in the offense, lots of play action in the offense. And Tyreek said something about like being able to run free across the middle of the field and both of them were picking up chunks of yardage after the catch. Granted it was you know, team practice. It wasn't um with hitting. So I, I wonder if that's just the, the plan's gonna be just Target these guys short, hope they make plays after the catch. Should lead to some pretty big weeks for both of them. So I'm excited by that. 
And I was excited to read about Romeo Dubs stepping up in Green Bay and having a, a really good day in practice. We know that there are a lot of jobs open in that passing game. We know that Christian Watson's hurt right now. He's not practicing. Sammy Watkins is hurt right now. He's not practicing. I loved watching Romeo Dubs when he was playing at Nevada, and now he's got a chance to, to grab himself a spot in that offense. It's a name I'm keeping an eye on. And I'll give you credit because you – Talked about him the second he was drafted. Basically, you've been all about even before that, but you loved the draft pick of Romeo Dubs in the fourth round. Yeah, I like the I like the player, and then you put him with a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. You you hope that it can come together. I mean, it's just one day. Training camp just opened. I'm trying not to get too excited about anybody, but uh, I've already moved Michael Thomas up in my rankings quite a bit. So I I guess I'm breaking my own rule a little bit about getting excited about players. Right? That's that's because I I think so. Yeah, he's out there. I Um, hope so, but. Uh, it's not an exciting thing. It's a negative thing. And it's Ryan Jensen's injury. It's, uh, yeah. you know, we know Brady hates, I mean, most quarterbacks hate pressure up the middle, but you know, Brady since his ACL tear has, has certainly made that known. And you know, that they're talking about, you know, some of the free agent centers who are out there and maybe even bringing back Ali Marpet who played some center for them before. But now you're talking really about three interior linemen that are missing for the bucks from a year ago, which was such a huge strength for them. And it's making me a little bit nervous, not so much about the passing game, because I think Brady will still be fine, but a little bit about Fournette, just a smidge that I might drop him. And this is going to make me a little bit cringeworthy to say it, but this is a guy that has looked good in camp so far. You know, speaking of early camp, uh, I'm going to put him behind Saquon Barkley. (laughs) I admit I'm starting to drink the Barkley Kool-Aid. They are. I'm starting to drink the Giants Kool-Aid. We all are. No, don't do that. <laughs> do I don't do know that. about all that, but the no, Tony, Kool-Aid. Tony and Wondell Robinson, with everything that, that you're just hearing and seeing, it's just been from, from many people, not just Giants beat writers, but people who have visited camp. It's, uh, it's impressive so far. Yeah, I mean, you could drink the Giants Kool-Aid and only be in on two players, I think, and that's Barkley and Tony. Right? I mean, Galladay's a question. Robinson's I, free. Wondell's free. Right, but how is he going to make an impact? How is he going to make a fantasy um, impact? It's worth uh, worth the flyer, you know, depending on how deep your draft is. Would you take him over Kenny Galladay? Um, not yet. Okay. All right. So those are some news items. Um, as far as Ryan Jensen goes, uh, that Tampa Bay center knee injury. We don't know the severity yet, but you know, seemed like a bad. It sounds. One. It sounds like it's a season ender. But he you're had not- the lowest grade among pass blockers in Tampa Bay among their starting five last year. He had the lowest grade. Lowest grade. But I think probably still not not bad, right? No, it was pretty bad. Was it? Yeah. All right. That's interesting. But um, he was good in, in, in the run game, like Jamie talked about. He, how about this? Ali Marpet was number one. He retired. Jensen was number two. He's out for the year. And then where's Alex Kappa on the list? Kappa might have been fourth or fifth, and he's no longer on the team. The entire interior of that line is now going to be different in 2022. So... Fournette, does he still make it as a round two pick? Yes, I think so, yes. Yeah. And the good news with Fournette, based on last year, was he didn't really do much. It wasn't his rushing. He only had 180 carries. He did have eight rushing touchdowns, but uh, it was his pass catching that was so huge to, for his value. Okay, so let's do some fill in the blank. This year's Cooper Cup is blank. And I'm thinking mid-round wide receiver who becomes, let's say, top five. You know, this year's Cooper Cup or the 2019, the 2020 Stefan Diggs kind of th- that that model is blank this year. I will say Michael Thomas 
go right back to it. I'm excited about him. I'm looking for wide receivers that I can push up into the top 15 and maybe even top 12 of my rankings. And Thomas isn't there yet because I'm still a little worried about him sharing targets with Chris Olave and with Jarvis Landry. But we've seen it from him before. We know that when he gets a high volume of targets, uh, he comes through with some really good numbers. He definitely has potential to get. I don't know if he's got potential to get like 15 touchdowns, but 10. I think we could see him get close to that from Jameis Winston this year. If he's really back to normal, if he looks as good as all these videos say um, or or look like he is, whatever. I I think he's got a chance to really be one of those guys that you'll draft in round four and he'll give you round one or round two value. Okay, Michael Thomas for Dave. Jamie, who's this year's Cooper Cup? Of course, the disclaimer is there probably won't be someone quite that good, but you get the point. Go ahead. Uh, I'll go Corlin Sutton, um, you know, new quarterback. Obviously, we've seen, you know, a a quality season from him already with a, you know, worst quarterback situation by far, his second year in the league, then he tore his ACL in year three. And, you know, he's the big play threat for for Russell Wilson, for a quarterback that we know likes to make a lot of big plays down the field. And so while Judy's had some struggles early in camp and Tim Patrick is going to kind of play a little bit of a swing role, uh, Sutton, I think, is locked in as the number one guy, number one option for, for Russell. And... Um, yeah, just uh, you know, huge ceiling if uh, if things go right. A lot of touchdown potential and, and certainly a chance for you know north of 1,200 yards. Yeah, I like that call. There have been conflicting reports on Judy. There have been some I've read where he doesn't look good and some where they say he looks fine. I've read almost nothing on Tim Patrick and everything about Cortland Sutton. Is yeah, first, first day was bad for Judy. Yeah, okay. Uh, here's, a, here's an interesting one from the chat from Broward Bravado. Terry McLaurin. Oh, I want to say McLaurin so bad. Yeah, I want to, but I just I feel like he's capped at a wide receiver too. I I wish he had a an even better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Okay, let's go to our next one. This year's Leonard Fournette is blank. So I'm thinking mid to late round running back, someone who wins the job and become you know in a committee right now wins the job becomes a must start running back. This year's Leonard Fournette is blank. The one for me is more injury-related, but I'm going to draft a lot of Ramondre Stevenson. I, I mean, you know, again, another situation where I don't think he wins the job. Uh, you know this, Adam, and it's kind of been the case in, in preseason so far, or, or practice so far, um, the last seven games, how they were 50-50 in terms of their, their touches and snaps. Um, I think Stevenson's going to be, you know, Pierre Strong right now is missing practice. James White is out. So Stevenson is going to be their passing downs guy if things work out right for him. And just by all accounts, he's had an amazing offseason. So uh, this is going to be one of the the most drafted guys in a lot of my fantasy teams. I'm really excited about Ramondre. He, you know, you asked this question a few weeks ago or, you know, maybe months ago. Are there any Patriots worth drafting? Um, Ramondre Stevenson is my favorite by far. Okay. Dave, who's this year's Leonard Fournette? Uh, first, I, Stevenson just makes me a little nervous because even if something were to happen to Damian Harris, I'm not convinced that Stevenson would be the only guy in that backfield because of just the way the Patriots offense rolls. They like to use multiple running backs. I love the talent. I like that he sheds some weight. It's possible that he could be like Damian Harris gets hurt. Reminder is the lead guy. He's a startable fantasy running back. Um, could he be like a top 10 one? Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't like this question. I don't know if I've got a really good answer for it. I'm going to say Ken Walker. Because we know about Rashad Penny, and right now he looks great, and everybody's excited about him. And yes, I've moved Penny ahead of Walker in my rankings, but I also think that Penny is very, very injury prone. It's you look at the history, and he gets banged up pretty easily. 
all you have to do with Kenneth Walker is draft him, wait for him to get banged up, and then Walker is going to be the feature back for Seattle. And I also expect Seattle to improve their passing game. I'm just I'm waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo to find his way there. It might not happen until late August, but when it does, it'll be better than Geno Smith. It'll be better than Drew Locke. That passing game will will make the receivers a little bit more appealing. It'll force defenses to think twice about slamming against the run. And I think Walker is a really good talent. Definitely a player whose whose ADP continues to slide. I talked about it with Chris Towers on FFT and five. If you're getting him past a hundredth overall. I think you just draft him and you commit to having him on your bench for at least half the season, and eventually he will pop for you. Question, follow-up here, right? And the thing about Fournette that made him so valuable was that he became an every-down back. We just did not see that coming when they had Giovanni right. Bernard. Is there anyone... I'm looking at the Chiefs, I'm looking at the Seahawks, I'm looking at the Patriots, um, maybe Miles Sanders. Is there any... That was the one I was thinking, but I thought it was a little too obvious. Which one, Gamewell? Sanders. Oh, is there anyone that could become uh, an every down back? Well. You know, because because maybe well, that's C- why I picked Walker. Yeah, is because that's a team that is still willing to lean heavily on one running back. They're talking about Travis Homer again as their third down back, though, which is funny. When is that? That's ever- okay. I'm I'm not drafting Walker. I might draft Penny for his passing down skills, his receiving chops, but not Walker. Not as a rookie. All right. I guess you can maybe say in this category, just the the offenses are not going to be great. Is you know, Tyler Algier or Damian Pierce. You know, they have not not sure. Leonard Fournette's ceiling by far, but you know, they, they can easily win their their backfield jobs, especially if Patterson's more of a receiver. And volume will certainly help as opposed to talent. Yep. And Algier would almost certainly be after pick one hundred on draft day. All right. Last two one or two here. This year's Deontay Johnson is blank. And what I'm getting at here is Deontay Johnson was a top 12 wide receiver, but he was third in targets. He was fifth in catches. So a high volume guy, maybe a sort of a PPR specialist. This year's Deontay Johnson is blank. When was Deontay drafted last year? Four? Mm, I'll look. I'll look right now. This could be a candidate for Mooney, Jamie. Yeah, the three that the three that came to mind for me. That's why I'm curious about ADP because I, I don't want to be you know too obvious, but would be Pittman, DJ Moore, and and Mooney because of just the target shares that they're going to get. For us, yeah, Pittman's going to get it. Pittman and Moore are ahead of of that group. Um, hold on, you're Let's looking for on. someone drafted even later than like top fifty. Well, let me tell you where Deontay Johnson was drafted. In Oh, I went to 2020. That's not going to work. No, he was drafted much later in 2020. Yeah, in 2021. Anybody want to guess? I'm going to say five. round five. Uh, almost. 45th overall. Late okay. round four. Okay. Well, I think Pittman and Moore are going to go ahead of that. Yeah. So Mooney makes sense there. If you want to wait a little bit, I think Traylon Burks, who's already got the clean bill of health, in training camp could be a massive target hog for Tennessee. And then the Hall of Famer, Alan Lazard. The Hall of Famer. He said that because Devontae Adams said that he's going from a Hall of Fame quarterback to a Hall of Fame quarterback. Sure, sure. Yeah, one thing, though, is I had a feeling you guys were going to say Darnell Mooney. Pittsburgh threw the ball as much as just about anyone. I don't know. They may have led. 63% of the time last year. And they may have led the league in pass attempts. I don't remember. I think it was the Bucs, but Pittsburgh was up there. Uh, Andy Dalton for the Bears... He had five games where he started and he finished. 40 oh, pass, attempts, 40 pass yeah. attempts per game. Nick Foles had one start, 35 pass attempts. Justin Fields averaged 
27 pass attempts per game in the nine games he started and finished. Now, he if also you, was babied in hand, yeah, hand, yep. handcuffed. So let's take away the first three games where he threw 17 to 20 passes in all three games. Goes up to 31.2 pass attempts per game, which is still way down from Dalton, which was 40 pass attempts per game. Uh, the last two starts were very encouraging for Justin Fields. He threw 33 and 39 times. Uh, they actually threw the ball a lot when Fields wasn't under center, but I guess I just wonder if there's going to be enough volume in... Uh, like Mooney had a 25% target share last year, so he'll pro- he might need even more than that to get up to 140 targets because the pass attempts might come down if Fields is the quarterback all sure. year. Sure. His target share with Fields was 25%, and that's great. But on the season, it was 28.5%. He got way more volume from Dalton and Foles. It was 28.5%? That's what I've got. Oh, I have it that's at 25. Oh, that's that, that's his target share with Fields off the field. Oh, okay. For the season, my it was, 20, was 25.8%. Um, and I guess with Fields, sense, it was 25%. Though. Yeah, right. 25, he 25% targeted. is great. He was still targeted on like one out of every five routes, 20%. Target per route run rate. That's pretty good. Um, who's a target hog? Bad, who's a target hog in a high volume offense? Is there one high vo- passing volume offense in the mid rounds? I don't know if there is one. Well, I mean, Juju? Uh, is he? Man, he, he want to talk about Camp Riser. <laughs> yeah, he's made a couple of highlight real catches. Um, high volume offense. Pass offense. Yeah, high volume pass offense. Sorry. Uh, how many games are we projecting for Julio Jones? 18. <laughs> <laughs> then he would qualify. All right, well, we'll think about it. Let's go to our last one real quick here. This year's Elijah Mitchell is blank. Waiver wire running back who becomes a must start. This year's Elijah Mitchell. See, this is where Algier could have... Well, Algier's going to get drafted, though. So you're looking for somebody... Uh, like, based on what's happened so far already, and I don't know how much will get drafted in you know, 14, 15-round drafts, but Brian Robinson... Yeah, he's moving up. Okay, Brian Robinson. It could be it could be like a Zamir White, you know, if he gets healthy by the time the season starts and something happens to Josh Jacobs. Um I mean, obviously depending on where Tyrion Davis Price gets drafted or not. Um Isaiah Spiller. He didn't get drafted. The problem is that with all these picks, he'll be forty percent. What, what happened to Elijah Mitchell was the starter got hurt in front of him. Yeah, but but even if the starter gets hurt in Tampa Bay or in but he was Las the third string Vegas. Guy he was. We thought he was the third string guy, Elijah. No, Mitchell, right? he was. He was the third string guy until they made Trey Sermon inactive. You know, I mean, all the reports were the backup is uh, both those guys. Um. Anyway, yeah, I just who who which handcuff could step in and I'll give know. you a name. Oh, the irony, the irony of it all. Raheem Mostert could be him. Mm-hmm. Could be Dearness Johnson who gets traded. Right. Mike Davis? Mike Davis, that's a good one. Could be. The same team, different back, Tyler Beatty. Uh. All right, listen, we have a handcuff question later on in the show, so we'll get to it then. Only gonna. This is the last show I'm going to remind you on here because this is our last one before August. Please go right now to podcastawards.com, and you can see the, the link to sign up to vote or nominate. And we're in three categories, best sports podcast, best male-hosted podcast, and people's choice. Please vote for Fantasy Football Today and all three of those at podcastawards.com. And again, it ends at the end of July, so you won't have to hear me badger you about it, any, badger you about it anymore. And join our Facebook group. So I've got a link in the episode description. I believe it's just facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy football today, but you can just go to Facebook and 
type in fantasy football today and you'll see us join our group. Great, great chats and topics of conversation and interaction with other FFT listeners and big time fantasy football players in our Facebook group. Let's do some. Uh, I got two big announcements. Yeah, okay. Uh, our fantasy football today show starts on CBS Sports HQ Monday noon Eastern for eternity. We will be on Monday through Friday until the end of the regular season, as we always are, getting you set for all of your fantasy football goodness. And then once the season starts, we're on Sunday morning, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, I am going to be running a competing league against Adam Azer. We're going to do a fantasy football today CBS Sports HQ viewer league. And I'm not going to cap it at 12. We're going to have a big, monstrous, fun fantasy league. So you have to watch CBS Sports HQ starting at noon Eastern on Monday. And I'm going to give out a code word. I don't know how many days I'm going to do it. But you have to have all of the words to get into the league. And it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Of course, uh, the podcast league is 14 teams. So, you know, just, just saying. We don't cap it at twelve either, but it's all right. We'll both we'll both be comp- we'll both be playing all of them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's something certainly to look forward to. And all three of us, excuse me, and Heath. Yeah. You know what? Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do our news and notes. Then we'll get right into your emails, your Apple Podcast questions, and your YouTube comments right after this on fantasy football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Quarterback News. They took out that silly independent study clause from Kyler Murray's contract. Now he gets to play video. Probably shouldn't have put one of the stupidest, best stories I've ever heard covering this league. (laughs) It's so it's pretty hilarious. It's pretty Uh, insulting. (laughs) Well, it's either insulting or it's necessary. I don't. I don't know the. I want to know what's behind it. You know, why would you put it in if if he didn't? Exactly. Either they're idiots or or he doesn't. Studied enough, and I don't know what the answer is. But it's well, they're not idiotic. putting it in if he's if he's a film nerd, and he admitted to not being a film nerd. All right, maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Who knows? Okay, no, I don't think it's in the middle. Lamar Jackson is bulked up, and he threw Murray his, in the middle. Murray in the middle. There you go. He threw it. I noticed that about Lamar. Yes, he bulked up, and he threw with better bigger. velocity and tighter spirals, mm-hmm. according to ESPN's James. Yeah, Hensley. it's it's easy to get excited about him. Uh, and Do you take him over Patrick Mahomes? Sounds a little blasphemous right now, doesn't it? Well, I think in a four-point league, it's it doesn't. <clears throat> sure. That would makes you, sense. Would you do that in a four-point league? I think I would. All right. Running back news. J.K. Dobbins wants to practice. He's itching to get out there, but the coaches won't let him. Doctors. And coaches. No, just doctors? All right. I believe the doctors are the ones that are holding him up now. 
Kenyon Drake is expected to have a significant role in the Las Vegas Las Vegas backfield, according to the Athletic. And rookie running back Samir White is expected to return to practice within the next week. So, who's the if you have Josh Jacobs, or even if you don't, if you want the backup there, would you take Drake or Zamir White? I think if you're taking a long term approach, you take White. If you're taking, uh, you know, who gets probably the first opportunity should something happen to Jacobs, it's probably Drake. You know, the the early reports filed in the NFL draft where they were going to almost redshirt Zamir White. You know, so we'll see how much they need to play him and want to play him. I'm going to guess they play him, uh, but sounds like Drake is probably going to have a role in tandem with Jacobs like they intended to last year before he got hurt. Would they not play him if Jacobs stays healthy? And Zamir White I, I, is I a know. break glass in case of emergency yeah, running so. back Could for them? The right. He'll probably be inactive every week until they need him. Wide receiver news. DK Metcalf got that extension, $72 million over three years, $58.2 million guaranteed. I guess he will not be buying a lottery ticket tonight. You guys in on that? $1.2 billion? Probably should be. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to get a lottery. I never buy a lottery ticket. I think I'm going to. If, I know somebody was very happy about DK's contract, Debo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you guys win, you know, a few hundred million dollars after taxes in the lottery, how much would you give to all of your FFT showmates? A few hundred million? You won, let's say you win 1.2 billion after taxes, you win, I'll just cut it in half. You win $600 million. I don't know if you'll see me again. (laughs) How much am I getting before you leave town? $600 million. I'll give you guys at least 100K. I give 10 grand to each your kids. Okay. Yeah, it's going to the kids. It's not going to you. (laughs) What if I promise to give it to the kids? It's going to the kids. It's not going to you. All right. More wide receiver news. Michael Gallup not expected to be ready for week one. That's kind of big news. And he has to miss four games if he stays on the pup list. So Michael Gallup, again, not expected to be ready for week one. So when does Jalen Tolbert enter the discussion here? How does he rank among the other rookie wide receivers, Dave, Richard? He's going to be toward the end of that list, but still somebody who's draftable. We're thinking, or I'm thinking, around 12-plus. And he's the perfect type of receiver to draft late because he might be usable at the beginning of the year. And if he stinks, you cut him, and you don't even think twice about it. Okay. Short-term... You know, he's he's like a hookup just yeah. for the early part of the year, and then you're probably never going to need him or see him again. So would you rather have Jahan Dotson or... I have Dotson Tolbert? ranked higher. I think Dotson will be better over the course of the season than Tolbert. Mm-hmm. All right, if you're drafting right now, Romeo Dubs or Jalen Tolbert? Tolbert. Okay. Jets wide receiver Corey Davis has lost 10 to 15 pounds, and he feels faster. Cleveland wide receiver Anthony Schwartz had a left knee, or no, just a knee injury, but it was a non-contact injury, and that's not good. So hoping, hoping for the best for Anthony Schwartz. Uh, Jacob Harris is a player on the Rams who played tight end last year. Now he's converting to wide receiver. Is there any, I think he tore his ACL too, right, last year? So is there any dynasty value in Jacob Harris? No. Okay. Not as much as it would have been if he had stayed at tight end because the whole idea with him is receiver playing tight end. Right. He was like the super low-rent version of Kyle Pitts. And now they're going to move him to wide receiver. Well, there goes the tight end uh, right. opportunity right. out the window. And some defensive news. Seattle safety Jamal Adams is going to miss some time with a hand injury. 
Washington defensive end Chase Young is unlikely to be ready for the start of the season. He tore his ACL in week 10. That was before Chris Godwin tore his ACL. Everyone recovers differently. Jets, uh, they signed linebacker Quan Alexander. Now, Quan Alexander tore his Achilles in December of 2020. And then he made it back for week one of 2021. So he just it's hard to predict these things. He played 12 games last year. He played in week one. He missed weeks two to five or something. Um, Kansas City signed defensive end Carlos Dunlap. And that and that's the end of that chapter. Here we go to the emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Got a couple of Christian McCaffrey questions. This one comes from BK. He, basically, he wants to know if, if you guys like Christian McCaffrey. I've had him each of the last two seasons. On the one hand, there's the third times the charm approach. If he's healthy, he's still in a league of his own and should be first overall. On the other hand, there's the fool me twice, shame on me approach. Since I've done this song and dance before, what would you guys do regarding Christian McCaffrey? Draft him and reap the benefits and cry if he gets hurt again. <laughs> Uh, I think every fantasy manager should make a list of the players that they feel uh, are safer picks in round one than Christian McCaffrey. And you might sit down with a pad and a pencil and, and not even write a single name down, and that's okay. That that just might be how you feel about it. But make that list and say, okay, I, I definitely know that Jonathan Taylor safer than Christian McCaffrey. Um, some people might say Austin Eckler safer than Christian McCaffrey. I'd, I'd rather take the chance on him. But make if you make the list and you go into your draft with that list, you'll know exactly where you'll feel comfortable drafting McCaffrey. <laughs> I've got four names ahead of McCaffrey on my list. Uh, I am not comfortable taking McCaffrey first overall, second overall, third overall, and probably not even fourth overall. So I'm probably not going to get a lot of McCaffrey this year. I, I still struggle Taylor versus McCaffrey because if he hits, he's the best player by far. Do you have to feel like you're drafting a risky player? Because Taylor's not risky. And Eckler, at least in full PPR, doesn't feel very risky. Just He just catches so many passes. I feel like the worst-case scenario for Eckler is he's a back-end-of-round one type of running back. Instead. Well, injury. Yeah. Yeah, but you can say that with aside, everybody, right? but not everybody has the injury history of McCaffrey now. But you go to maybe Najee Harris, and maybe there's some more performance risk. Do you feel like you have to get to performance risky? Obviously, Jamie doesn't. But There's no performance risk with McCaffrey. Right, exactly. Do you feel like you have to mm-hmm. get to the performance risky guys? Ooh, heard an mm there from Dave. Mm-hmm. We'll explore that. Before you, you What's know. the performance risk with McCaffrey? Okay, yeah, Last yeah. year, in the five games he started and finished, there were only five, he averaged 22.6 PPR points per game. Great number, but it's not what you used to expect from McCaffrey. Sure, you but in four of those, he was PPR north of 24 points. points. So he had one bad game. But there he was had one bad game. It was his, 26. It was his like, first game. One. It was his first game back from injury. He got kind of limited work against the Patriots, I think. The other games, he was not. He was in his own little I Christian mean, if that's what you're pointing world. to his performance, I'll take that over No, but else. he's right. 22 points per game is about that's seven really points it's worse round than one good. Is what it he's used to. Is it first or second overall good? Yes. For what he gives you, yes. Well, if he gives you more than that, of course. Well, it's going to come down to just how healthy he is, how much the, the Panthers try and shave off unnecessary touches and playing time from him. He's obviously going to be used in all of the high value situations. I think that includes goal line work. I, I think it would be weird if they went to Deontay Foreman every time. No way. For short yardage work. No there will be times where they do, but it's not going to be every single time. You know he's going to be in on passing downs in the two-minute drill, and they're playing from behind. I don't think Baker Mayfield 
is a strike against him at all. I think it's probably good for him if Baker Mayfield wins the starting job there. It's just a matter of how healthy he can be. He's had five separate injuries over the last two years, four of them to his legs, and they're all yeah. soft tissue. Well, the shoulder injury might not have been, but the well, the ankle's not soft were. tissue. Yeah, it is. Your ankle's soft tissue. It's no. not a broken ankle. It's a high ankle sprain. It's the ligaments. Um. Okay. So you know, I talk about uh, some. I guess I really haven't brought this up in a while, but Dalvin Cook comes to mind. Dalvin Cook, in his rookie year, he played four games. In his second year, he played 11 games. In his third year, he was a second-round pick. He was the third pick of round two. And he finished as... I'm trying to look it up now. I mean, he was at least top three per game. Mm-hmm. Um, he finished as RB6 because he missed two games, but per game, he was RB2. He averaged 21.2 points per game. He ha- he just had a massive season. So it's he looked like a very injury-prone player, and he's been fairly injury-prone. He's missed usually two to three games a year, but he's mostly been on the field after really struggling in his first two seasons. So you can do with that whatever you will. All right, second question about McCaffrey comes from Jeff, Jeff in South Jersey. Hey, AJ, Nick, Sam, and Kevin. Huh. Got a Eagles feel, but also it, a yeah, yeah. Eagles quarterback. But it also has a backstreet it's definitely boys former feel. Eagles quarterbacks. Okay, I mean, I feel like three of those guys are are in the Backstreet Boys: AJ, Nick, and Kevin. Right, Dave? I don't know who. I don't know who's in. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And we're just missing a Brian. Uh, I'm all in. What? What'd you say? How do you know that off the top of your? Head? I'm a '90s kid, bro. Come on. And no, I didn't like the Backstreet Boys. But my first girlfriend, our song was "As Long as You Love Me" by the Backstreet Boys. I'm all in on Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore for this season. But even with Baker in town, I know the quarterback situation still isn't the best. Are you comfortable taking McCaffrey and DJ Moore with two of your first three picks in a PPR league? I did that in one draft and I hated it. <laughs> it's like that's, you know, that team that team's going to hopefully make a leap. You know, the, the roster's very underrated, you know, mm-hmm. when you look at everything but the quarterback and hopefully Baker's certainly better than what he showed in the first part of camp and obviously what he showed last year. Um, and the fact that, you know, uh, again, you know, we, we made, I think light of this a little bit earlier in this week about training camp battles, but it's, it's certainly shaping up as a battle right now uh, for these two guys. But, you know, you're asking Baker Mayfield or God forbid Sam Darnold to support two talents. And I don't know if that offense can do that. Okay. Basically, if you do that, you, you just say, I don't care who you are where you're from. I don't care what you did. Oh, you got that. All right. As long as you score points. As long as you score points. Okay. Mark from Lehigh Valley. My main league I compete... Iron pig territory. Okay. My main league I compete in isn't head-to-head. It's based on total points accumulated throughout the season. You set a weekly lineup, and at the end of the season, whoever had the most points wins. Does this format change your draft strategy at all? And what are your thoughts on this format versus head-to-head? My thoughts are that it's kind of boring. It, yeah. I don't think it changes anything as far as how you. Have you ever played a roto league, Dave? In yes. Baseball. Yes. It's yes. You don't like it? No. You, I like having the scoreboard. I like seeing who I'm playing against, even if there's a, you know, a secondary matchup each week where you're playing against everybody in the top six teams get a win or something like that. Um, I, I like having the competitive. You got to beat this guy on the scoreboard. Of course, yeah. So it's it's kind of boring the format, 
But if I were in a league like that, it's not changing my strategy. I'm still going to draft and use the best players each week. My lineup's going to be with who I think are the best players. I think in this case, you might lean a little, you know, back to McCaffrey, like you lean a little, little bit more towards safety, you know, in terms of health, just because, you know, you're not changing a lot of things. Well, but I think the counter to that, and I think Heath would make this point because this is how Heath used to approach Roto Leagues in fantasy baseball, is you don't care about making the playoffs. You need to score well, those fair. points. Yeah. So you just take more was, home was, run swings. I was going to say, for me, it would be a little bit more later. That's what I was kind of going at. That, okay. You know, you might take a little bit safer approach early, but, you know, you take more swings of defense mm, yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, too. Um, the biggest issue I have with these types of leagues is that people quit on them very early once they realize they have no chance of, of winning. Whereas if all you got to do is get into the playoffs, you have so much more incentives to stay involved. Mm -hmm. So that actually is a big deal in terms of strategy because you got to figure, if as long as this isn't a best ball league, you know, you're going to have a lot less competition on, on, on the waiver wire. You're going to be able to pick up better players throughout the year. You're going to be competing against fewer player, in, fewer teams, in my opinion. That's what I've noticed in those baseball leagues, in those roto leagues. Uh, this is Omar. That's a, that's a guillotine league without the guillotine. What we kind just of. described. Yeah, and actually, yeah, add the guillotine, a, and then it's a more fun. If it's a fab then, league, and then you've got everybody playing all year. If it's a so fab league, then you should spend. Then you should be more aggressive early because you'll be competing against fewer people, fewer opponents late. Agreed. Yes. Okay. This is Omar, aka Brooklyn Omar. All right, Brooklyn Omar. He wants to, us to rank the backup running backs. If all the number one running backs on each NFL team gets hurt, rank their backups based on potential. So you guys don't have to do all 32, but who are the best of the best? If all the starting running backs got hurt, who are the best of the best? I think Madison is one. He'd be up there. A.J. Dillon would be up there. Pollard. I've got Dillon ranked like he's the number one. Pollard is obviously up there. Pollard is up there. Kareem Hunt is up there. Is it is it a big three of Madison, Pollard, Dylan? I'd throw Cream Hunt in there too and call it a big four. There's probably some more that are close to that level. Benny Snell. Nah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know if he's good enough. <laughs> Ken Man. Walker could be on that list. Not the top four, but the next tier. Melvin uh, Gordon. Melvin Gordon Man, could be on the next uh, tier. Stevenson. Gainwell? Ramondre should be on that next tier. Yep. I don't get it with Gainwell. I just, he, I don't want to have, well, I do want to have the same conversations over and over again so we have new listeners. You guys really <clears throat> like Gainwell, but I just, he was the fourth string guy last year. I just don't know how he would elevate himself. They, they love him. Bigger role. They love him. In what They're role, though? going to move up the depth chart In what this role? Year. They, I, don't they just, do they love him as a pass catcher? Because that's what he was. He was the best pass yes, catching I mean, back in two, look, two years he, ago. He's, in the he's not going to be the every down guy if something happens to Sanders. They're going to use Boston Scott. But I do think that, you know, for most of the leagues that we talk about, you know, PPR, half PPR, he's the higher upside play than Boston Scott. So, you know, I would lean toward him. I mean, you know, lesser tier guys in this conversation, Tyrion Davis-Price uh, or Jeff Wilson, whoever ends up being two there. Um, Brian Robinson. Spiller. Uh, Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson. Henderson, Henderson should be White, there. Spiller. Khalil Herbert. Uh, somebody said, a good one. somebody's in the chat says James Robinson. That's kind of a gray area. No, uh, but it, he's the second running back off the board for yeah. his team and fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be, I think he'd have to be in that first tier. What about... Expand it to five. What about Ronald Jones... Or CEH, what happens if one of those two gets hurt? 
if one of those two gets hurt, it depends um, on which one because I, mean, I don't think was Ronald, the guy in the playoffs, right? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I don't think I think they know better than to use Ronald Jones in passing downs, even when everybody's healthy. <laughs> right. So right. if Jones gets hurt, Ceh probably takes back over as the main first and second down running back. Well, assuming that he's not in that role already. Right. It's possible. Uh, Melvin Gordon or Mike Boone, whoever ends up being two there. Okay. Just want to make sure we're not forgetting. Hassan Haskins. Is there anyone? Oh, Mark Ingram? Ingram. Okay. I mean, we, got, we, have, we haven't ranked these guys. We're just naming them all. <laughs> yeah, but Madison, Pollard, Dylan, Hunt appear to be the, our four favorites. I, I think Daryl Henderson might mm-hmm. belong in that group. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Nah, no, I wouldn't say not no. As no, not guys, that group. He's in the no. second tier. Yeah, he's yeah. in the second tier. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is from Travis. How does your fab strategy change in different formats, such as dynasty versus redraft? Fab strategy in different formats. I mean, clearly in dynasty leagues, there's not as much talent available on the waiver wire, depending on how deep your rosters are. So, you know, if somebody becomes available that you think has high upside, you should definitely pounce on it and probably spend a little bit more. You know, so like last year, for example, um, when we opened waivers in our dynasty league, which is a thousand dollar budget and a 14 team IDP league, which has very deep rosters, I spent a good portion of my fab, unfortunately so, on Marcus Callaway and Tyson Williams because the talent pool was not there. My roster, for the most part, was set, and I didn't anticipate a lot of guys becoming available throughout the course of the year, which for the most part, most part played itself out that way. Oh. Most part. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, it was stinky. Um, but obviously Callaway and, and, and Tyson did not turn into the guys I was hoping they would become. So, you know, I, I wasted money in that regard, but I didn't miss out on anything significant throughout the course of the season. So it just depends on, you know, what, what, how deep your league are. Obviously, redraft is totally different, you know. So, you know, there are going to be guys that come up throughout the course of the season. So you want to sort of balance your budget a little bit more unless there's a clear, obvious type of guy. You know, I don't know if Elijah Mitchell was that obvious type of guy, but he certainly seemed to be like that following week one. So those guys tend to be a little bit rare. You obviously don't want to chase the... Uh, the, those those receivers, as we're going to joke a lot about after they have those week one performances, you know, when James Washington and not Jalen Tolbert has a, you know, right. four for 80 in a touchdown game and you're like, oh, my God, no Michael Gallup. And this is the guy. And then he disappears for a month. You know, those type of receivers. Yeah. All right. I Dave. feel like the strategy with Fab is I'll spend a little bit each week, but I've, I've got enough in the reserve to make one big bid when I really, really need somebody mm-hmm. off the waiver wire. Okay, uh, I'm going to speed you guys up a little bit here just so we can get to the rest of our questions, but I do have to go back to the handcuff question because everybody, uh, not everybody, a lot of people in the chat are asking about Devon, Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman, who backs up Christian McCaffrey. Where do you do you guys see him in that picture? If we're tearing these guys, probably third tier. Yep. Okay. All right, this is from Tom from The Bucket. The Bucket? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, Corbin, Schmitty, McPoyle, and... Adermus, Adermus. I had to look this one up. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. All right, I'm in win now dynasty mode. Should I trade Deontay Johnson and pick 109 in the rookie draft for AJ Brown? For 2023? Yeah, no, for 2022. Oh, so you're talking about maybe Sky Moore, Chris Olave, maybe Ken Walker if he slips, and Deontay Johnson for AJ Brown? I don't mind that. I missed the question. I was looking up which 
town is known as the bucket. It's okay. D- Jamie and I got Pawtucket. You can get the next one, Dave. This is from Alex. Dear Randy, Chris, Adam, and Jefferson. That should say oh, Justin. Vikings receivers. Yeah, but it should say Justin. It's kind of a miss there. Uh, one of my drafts this Saturday is a little different. My friends don't like tight ends, so we do a standard team with two flexes instead of one flex and one tight end. Mm. So no tight end required. Yeah, we required. get this question all the time. Ugh, so lame. Uh, it's half PPR, two receivers. How would you value tight ends since they aren't? I, I'm sorry. I hate this. It is such a cop-out. But we'll answer your question anyway. How would you guys value tight ends since they aren't required? They tend to go later in the drafts. Um, what, what do you, you know, Dave, tight end advice for a league that doesn't require you to, to start one. They are massively devalued. Uh, the exception probably being Kelsey, although in a, in a regular draft where you do have to start a tight end, Kelsey will be drafted right among the first three wide receivers. If tight ends don't matter, he's going to be probably closer to like 10, 12, 14 among those wide receivers. Andrews will fall a little bit further as well. Um, I, I think you probably should count on at least a one-round discount for Kelsey, round and a half for Andrews, round and a half for Pitts, two to three rounds for everybody else, and then like once you get to the Zach Ertz's and Pat Fryermuse of the tight end position, you don't even bother drafting them. All right, let's do our Apple Podcasts now. This one is from a name I don't know how to pronounce, Salayu. Uh, I'm wondering... You just pronounced it. Okay, Good great. Job. Can you walk me through why we have PPR? Why are we awarding the reception and not the yards? In basketball, Steph Curry doesn't get a point for every pass he catches. Same with soccer and hockey. Again, why is football the only team sport to award receptions? Because it it helps flatten out the difference between pass catchers and non-pass catchers. And it lowered the or it shrunk the gap between quarterbacks and every other position. That's why it was done. It was done as a way to make it a, li- a little bit more of an even playing field for wide receivers and tight ends, while also generating more points for running backs who caught, caught the ball in the backfield. Which there was a time where there weren't that many that did it. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people against more points. Yeah, I think they're against. Fun. They're against the concept of, oh, this guy just caught a one-yard pass and he, he got right. a point for it. <clears throat> right, you get a bubble screen pass. Yeah. I like I like what the fishbowl does, where it's a half point per catch and half point for a first down. And if you're not down with that, then do a point per first down. I think everybody would agree that a first down is important in football. Yeah. Do a point per first down. Yeah, it's, but then do you, do you do all that? Do you do that with quarterbacks as well, rushing first downs? Scott you do it for passing first downs. You could do it with rushing first downs. Yeah, it's a big. They don't. Scott Fishbowl has point half a point for a rushing first down, but not a passing first down. So that's a big difference there. Oh, no. for, I, I see receiving first down. It counts if you catch a, first a receiving down. first down. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad. That's. I think people get on board with that. Yep. All right, from Trenton Andrews Seven. I've heard many discussions about Burrow and how he is currently being drafted too high. What I haven't heard is anyone giving a counter argument to Burrow being overrated at, at his current ADP. So I, I, maybe he's saying that we... Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. So he actually... This was a very long one. And he gave a counter argument as to why Burrow is actually not being overdrafted. He's healthy at this point last year. He wasn't healthy last year. Uh, there were a bunch of things I didn't Technically include. not healthy. Right, right, right. But it, oh, yeah, the you can give a pass for the appendectomy. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so he's making a case. Trenton Andrews making a case for Joe Burrow at his ADP, which I think the latest I saw was QB six. Um, we're not there, but what, what do you got, Jamie? What do you think about 
people who are taking Burrow there, you know, what are they seeing that we disagree with, I guess? I mean, you're seeing the best receiving core in football with Chase Higgins and Boyd. Um, Hayden Hurst making plays. You're seeing an offensive line that got significantly improved. You're seeing a guy that led his team to the Super Bowl behind a bad offensive line. And so, look, rightfully so, you want to gravitate toward young players on the rise. And he's, you know, as good as any of them at that position. And he has the opportunity to be a top five quarterback. He just, you know, if you if you expect him to make the leap, he's got to make the leap clearly more so as a passer than he does as a rusher. I know he'll run a little bit more than he did last year because he's a year moved from the ACL, but he's not going to be Hertz or Lamar or Trey Lance. He's not necessarily in the range yet, at least we don't think, of Brady as a passer, you know, with the 5,000-yard potential and, you know, 45 touchdowns. But he can certainly get there. So if you have that conviction on Joe Burrow, I'm not going to fight you on it, but I like that he's, his ADP is sliding from where it was, you know, when he was fourth. Right. You know, six is a, is a, is a perfect range for him. All right, next one from Apple Podcast is, I don't have a name here, but hey, Dan, Wayne, Ben, and Daniel. Mm, don't know. 10-team redraft league. One keeper, six point per passing touchdown. Okay, it's half point PPR, and it's .25 points per, per carry. Do I take Josh Allen in the seventh or Travis Etienne in the thirteenth? Etienne. Ten teams, six point touchdowns. I'm. I think I'm going to take Josh Allen. And why the giant poop fest with Juju Smith Schuster? He thinks we're too low on Juju. I don't think it's going to be the case anymore. <laughs> it's just, you know, look, it's they're 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 going to spread the ball around. You're seeing the highlight plays, but the fact that he's you know, the, the two things that, that stood out so far is how much in motion he is and how much he's lining up in different spots. And that's certainly what we want to see. He, he's, he's being used differently than he was in Pittsburgh already. And anybody who's watched them practice so far has been wowed by Juju. And by the way, uh, that was from Chris. Sorry, I didn't see your name there, Chris. This is from Toyota. Dear Flounder, Boone, Otter, and Bluto. That's... From one of the most romantic movies ever made. <laughs> Pinocchio? Animal House. Okay. I find myself looking more toward the late round tight end group than the top players in mock drafts. Who are the ones that would be best to target in a full PPR startup keeper league? I'm thinking of taking at least two late tight ends, maybe three. Um, there you go. So he, it's a startup keeper league. Who in the late round tight end group would you guys target? Daniel Bellinger. Would be one. Is that? I mean, I was going to say Cole Komet, so we're at different stages in the draft. Oh, yeah, he won't be a late rounder. I don't know what late means. He might be a late rounder. Um, I guess if you want to tier it, Komet, uh, if you can get him, you know, maybe the next type of guy would be like an Irv Smith or an Albert O to see what happens with them and their respective offenses. Um, Bellinger for me would be, you know, one of the rookies, Trey McBride. If you're going to take a rookie, take Dulcich. Okay. In Denver. He's my favorite. He's my favorite. And uh, <laughs> Jelani Woods is like Andre the Giant at tight end in Indianapolis. Right, this is from Ryan Fisher. Some guy I know started a 32-team league. One running back, one wide receiver, three flexes, and a super flex. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Well, he no. didn't say one quarterback, so maybe you don't have to start a quarterback. He, started, he, had, he said one super flex. That's interesting. Yeah, one running back, one wide receiver, three flexes, and one super flex. So you could start a quarterback. 
Five. Do you have the scoring players. of what four points for passing touchdown versus other players? What the quarterbacks look like in front of you? I can get it certainly. As I did it a few years ago, and even in four point per passing touchdown leagues, I think yep. QB nineteen was still one of the highest scoring players. Yeah, right. You have um, to completely crap on passing touchdowns. All right, what, what's your strategy for uh, for Ryan here? Um, thirty two team league. Everything else is the same scoring. Like there's no yeah. no weighted for other positions, right? Doesn't I don't see that. I think you take best player available. Probably lean toward pass catchers if it's BPR. Okay. I'll read the next question, then I'll come back with your with the answer to your four points. I wonder if it's if, if you don't have to start a quarterback, let's say it's three points <clears> for <throat> passing touchdowns, minus one for interceptions, or four points and minus two. You know, so you're you're and it's not you know, it's 15 points for every passing yard. For, it's, it's one point for every 15 passing yards or something like that. You know, so quarterbacks really devalue. All right, let's say Justin Jefferson. If, if, if you could play a quarterback, you're going to draft quarterback. You know, the first round should be all quarterbacks. Justin Jefferson so Assuming scored, that the scoring is high, yes. Mm, Justin Jefferson would have been QB six last year. Let's see. Um, Mac Jones scored 221 points. He was QB 18. 221 points in a PPR league would have been wide receiver 23, Darnell Mooney. Right, so, so they're not, not as valuable. Right. They are not as valuable in four point. Yeah. So then the if it's four points. But it's still, Mac Jones was QB 18, you said? Yeah. So he's still a... What was QB like eight or 10? Joe Burrow was QB eight. He scored 312 points. And that would be wide receiver in full PPR. Oh, that that would be wide receiver five. He outscored Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, so the top tier quarterback should go earlier, and then it becomes almost like a regular superflex league. Yeah. Okay. Almost done with our Apple Podcast questions. We we'll go to our next one here from Sosa eighty. I was offered a first round pick in twenty twenty three and Mike Evans for pick one hundred one. So that would be. Brees Hall, basically. It's a 10-team PPR, half PPR league. Would you take Mike Evans and a 2023 first-rounder for Brees Hall? I think I would. Are you a win-now team? Don't know. If you're a win-now team, then I would rather have Mike Evans in the first-rounder. If you're rebuilding, I'd rather have Brees Hall. This is from Bango Lancer. Great fantasy analysis hosted by the best male podcast hosts on Earth. I am drafting for a startup keeper league where we can keep up to three players each year with the cost going up one round the following season, and we can keep them for three seasons if Dave was wondering. Is there any different strategy to to bring to a keeper draft as compared to the normal redraft or dynasty leagues? Three keepers. No, you're the players that you're gonna target for that you're gonna draft with the intention of keeping for a long time, they're gonna go sooner in your draft. It's, yeah, it, it really. It's not. I, here's like, my question. You know, groundbreaking advice I'm, here. It's players that are like Brees Hall is going to go much sooner than normal because you can keep him for three years, or even Ken Walker, or yeah. any rookie, Olave, Dotson, Jameson Williams. Here's my question, Dave. I've never played in a format like this. I think you guys are in leagues like this. Three keepers go up around each my year. Keep for like three this. years, right? Do you find that your team will end up with enough values where you don't have to do that? Because you can only keep three guys, right? So 
you don't have to reach for rookies because you're going to stumble upon a waiver wire guy or or some. You're going to have three obvious keepers that you don't have to push up those rookies. Let the other teams do. Well, that. I I think the thing that happens is first off, you know you like Alvin Kamara. Think about where he was. Um, you know, player players that like Elijah Mitchell this year. You know, the guys that you have that depending on how you you know you you value free agents. Um, you know, which are usually like last round guys. And so as they continue to progress, you know, like how, how Kamara did, for example, um, the first round becomes less, second round becomes, you know, the talent pool at the top becomes less. So as the year, as the years go on, um, I don't know if rookies necessarily get pushed up dramatically. And, you know, in the leagues I play and they don't get, you know, the, the value doesn't significantly change aside from just the keepers not being there. If there are a lot of high end keepers, I think the thing that you look at though, is you look at guys like, you know, Dave mentioned a few of the rookie receivers, you know, the ones that you can hopefully foresee becoming great in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I think you look for just as a strategy thing is because people tend to forget these guys is the injury guys. You know, the guys that are going to be, you know, out for significant portions of time that get hurt in camp. Like, I, you know, one of my leagues where we, it's not the same format, but we keep guys in round eight or later drafted around eight or later. Um, Cam Akers wasn't drafted last year because people forgot about him. So I, I, I was, purposely hoping he wasn't getting drafted because I knew that I'd just get him the first time waivers ran because I was first on waivers. And now he's my keeper this year in, in past round eight. Um, Calvin Ridley, keep him in mind. You know, he, he's probably going to be right. free. Take him late. You know, these type of guys are, are the ones that when they come back, you know, hopefully they come back at a significant level. You know, Michael Thomas a year ago, you know, for people that they may have forgot about him. Um, there's not a ton of those guys, but these are the not ones yet. that, not yet. you know, Dave and I do this in our baseball league and it's been so successful for us, you know, taking – you know, like this year, we, it hasn't panned out so much, but like we were just kind of waiting out how far is Lance Lynn going to fall because people just forgot about him. This is an AL only baseball league, you know, and just we got him in round 15, you know, just because we did it with Eloy Jimenez, uh, Jimenez two years uh, ago. Yeah, two years ago. You know, it, it's just those are the type of things that could be difference makers for you. As for players that aren't going to be forgotten about the rookies, especially you're probably going to like one or two rookies ahead of the rest of the pack. Don't be afraid to reach up for them if you want to have them and have control of them for your fantasy team for the next three seasons. How about this? Just looking at baseball standings, the Red Sox and the White Sox are both 500 right now. Red Sox are 50 and 50. White Sox are 49 and 49. The Red Sox are in last place, 17 games out of first. The White Sox are three games out of first. <laughs> oh, it's nice Gotta to be the AL, AL Central, Central, baby. Yes. All right, let's uh, let's read some they YouTube been, questions. They have been a tough watch this year, especially their last game. Mm. I'm basically watching every White Sox game. That'll probably change once training camp really. I had, I had a fun conversation with a buddy of mine last night. Who uh, he's got a eight year old, and he's already got him hooked on uh, a daily fantasy for baseball. <laughs> wow! And um, so he was. Uh, they do it together, but so like we we were after baseball practice. Um, he was like, Oh, can I set a lineup real quick for the, the, the night slate? And he was telling me that he, he told his son just tying in the white Sox. It was the white Sox in, in Colorado, right? So- white Sox and Rockies in Colorado. He was like, don't take any of the pitchers. You just got to load up on hitters. So he loaded up on all the hitters and it was, uh, uh, the Kopech game when they won two, one, I forget who won two, one, but he was just, <laughs> Sox won that game. And, and he said, uh, he, he's, he said he went, the, he said the kid came up to him and was like, his son came up to him and was like, you told me no pitchers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to go the old contrarian route. Get those pitchers in Coors Field. All right. Here's one from Gray. Gray matters to me. 
I have this to decide on Higgins or Godwin by the end of the weekend. Higgins in the sixth or Godwin in the fifth? Higgins. Higgins. 10-team Dynasty League from Edward. One QB. Uh, should I trade Brees Hall? He's rebuilding. Total rebuild. Should I trade Brees Hall for James Cook, a 2023 first and a 2023 second? No, I don't think that's enough. The only thing would be is, so Cook was probably a late first pick, so the team is probably good. Oh, I don't know. if I wouldn't say that for sure. I think it would have been a second-round pick. Okay, that's even worse. Well, no, I guess it's not worse. Oh, you're right. right. If it's not it could have been a bad team. I wouldn't do You can't do it. Brees Hall is, you're rebuilding. You rebuild around Brees Hall. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jamie, Akers is also one of my keepers for a 13th round pick. There you go. Uh, is 110, 1.10 too early to take Kyle Pitts in a super flex tight end? Was that tight end premium? Tight end premium. Startup. If he's there. Yeah. If it's a super, well, flex, super flex, I totally expect him to be yeah, there. That's a good point. If it's super flex, that means that quarterbacks are going to go off the board. It might be too early for me. Okay. What's the latest you guys would take a running back? Round six? Yeah. Round, I I was going to say like round four or five. If I hit right on receivers late round one, early round two, and there's still good values in round three and round four, I'll say for round five. Okay, so what if you started, you know, with four or five receivers, then you got A.J. Dillon and Kareem Hunt? Love it. Like a tight end in there and, a, and the receivers, and mm-hmm. then A.J. Dillon mm-hmm. and Kareem Hunt, right? You could start with that. That's not bad. You could. Um, I'd rather watch grass grow than, I think this is in reference to baseball. Nah. You basically are watching that with baseball. It's probably growing a little bit. Um, they mow it after every game, the field. <laughs> Waddle for a seventh or Mike Williams for a thirteenth? Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah as I like Waddle, but Williams for a thirteenth is. I like Williams better in redraft already. And I finally, don't. from Gabriel, two QB, three flex, full PPR. I just traded Kelsey and Chenault for Kittle and Christian Kirk. I have Lawrence and Lance as my quarterbacks. So he gave up Kelsey and Lavisca for George Kittle and Christian Kirk. So he gave up Kelsey for Kittle and Kirk. Yeah. I don't mind it. I mean, you'll get more points out of Kittle and Kirk, theoretically. Okay. All right. Thank you all for watching and listening. Really appreciate you sticking around. Uh, and, yeah, good stuff. Dave and Jamie, have a wonderful weekend. And you too, dude. I'll, I guess the listeners and the viewers, you guys can have a great weekend, too. That'd be, that'd be great. So we'll see you on Monday. Please remember to vote on podcastawards.com. You only have a couple schedule of schedule Don't forget it. Yeah, we're going to be at 9.30 in the morning instead of 10 in the morning uh, beginning next week. And then eventually it'll get earlier as we get into the season. But for the immediate future, 9.30 in the morning. So we'll talk to you then. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.